Hi, welcome to the Gathering at Adele's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. We pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched by these words of wisdom. Thank you. God bless. It's good to see you guys. Good to be here. Uh, You've probably noticed by now that it's a little different here. If this is your first or second time, it's... We're not a traditional church. Uh, you know, you, I struggle with that question when people ask me. They're like, hey, so what kind of church is the gathering? You're like, mm, I don't know. Like, what are you doing, like, for the next three hours? And then we can, like, you know, it's so hard because, I, like, even the term, like, non-denominational is, like, actually, it's, that's not true. Like, we're, like, multi-denominational, if that's even a case, like, you know, and so I know you've probably learned by now if you've been with us for this service or a couple of services, like, we're, we're just a people from a lot of different backgrounds. I think so many times they try to group all non-denominational churches into, like, one area, and man, we're just not. We have people from every background, from every denomination, and the beautiful thing is that we just come together, and you're going to put up with some of my craziness. I'm going to put some up with some of your craziness, and we're just going to love the Lord together. You might not enjoy people being a little more expressive in worship, right? If you probably noticed, there's going to be some people a little bit louder than everyone else raising their hands, but the beauty is that when we come together as a body of believers, that if somebody raises their hand, that, that's not a salvation issue. We just, we just say, man, I, I, can, I can look at somebody that raises their hands and I can love them and honor them for that, even if you're not comfortable doing that. So never feel like, oh, man, I don't raise my hands or I sit down halfway through worship, so this is not the place for me. Man, we are a group of people with one goal and one objective, That's to exalt his name, to declare and display the glory of God. Everything that we do is to declare the glory of God. And the way that we live our lives is to display the glory of God. And so that's why we're here. And I mean, heaven's going to be a lot like that. Says people of every language, nation, tribe, and tongue. You know, we're in Parker County. We're going to look and talk and act pretty much about the same way. But the beauty is when we get to heaven, all of our brothers and sisters are going to be there. And so I encourage you, if, it's, if there are some things that are uncomfortable for you, don't just walk away. Let's have a conversation about that because it's not saying that we do it all right, that maybe you need to say, hey, Jeff, I really see in the word that this, y'all are doing this, y'all are teaching this, you're preaching this, but that's not what I see in the word. Let's just have a conversation. And uh, we love you guys. It's it's a good day. We, we have some of the elders here. Two, two have already left. Two have decided to stick around to make sure. Uh, I, I, was meeting, I was meeting with the elders this week, and they're, you know, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be preaching Romans 1 today. And they're like, Pastor Mike was like, oh. I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, it's a good one, you know. Uh, but also, can I say, I, I normally try to say this a lot. We have kiddos. You probably noticed that not only that, we're going to go a little bit longer than the hour uh, that, that most or some churches do, but also we have a lot of kiddos in service and out of service and all of that, and they're running in and out, and Curtis is too, so just put up with him. But, you know, like, I want you to know, like, your kids do not bother 
me. I can say I can't say they're not going to bother Don, but they're they're not going to bother me. All right. But so just like if they're making a little noise, those colored pencils are a little louder trying to get them out of the bag. It doesn't bother me. That's where the ADHD really helps because I can just keep going and just bring it all in. And I'll probably allude to that at some point. But I want you guys to know, never feel like your children are a burden to us because they are not. We love them, encourage them, and we'll also help discipline them if they if they need it. Romans 1, verses 1 through 7 is where we're going to be today. This says Paul. This is Paul writing it, so that's why it says Paul. A servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David, According to the flesh and was appointed to the powerful Son of God, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what an introduction to a letter. Paul starts off, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ, an apostle, a messenger for the gospel. He's, he's set apart for the gospel of God, which was appointed beforehand. As I was studying with this, I'm, I'm studying through Romans with a group of people now. And man, the Lord just really spoke to me on this. It's like, Paul is introducing himself to the Romans for the first time. And and this is how he chooses to do it. Paul, a servant of God, or a servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. What Paul is doing is he's establishing a baseline of his identity. Because when when we introduce ourselves, you you know, you came here and I introduced myself to you, you introduced yourself to me, we kind of have like this baseline that we say, like kind of like a response that's pretty standard, you know, hi, my name is Jeff, I'm, you know, wherever I am, I'm I'm a pastor at a little church in Adel, I'm married to my wife, Lauren, I have eight kiddos, and yes, she puts up with me, yes, I know what causes that, all of those, you know, that's like the introduction, we go through that, because what I'm trying to establish is just that baseline of who I am, you know, and and you say, oh, hey, hey, my name is Brady, you know, I'm a public gesture, I'm married to Amy, we have a lot of kids, we're pregnant again with more kids. Not kids, but another kid. Uh, and, you know, like, like we have this baseline, you know, Chris Martin, one of our elders. Hey, my name is Chris Martin. I, I've been, been in the area, been around a long time is how he'll say it. Or that's how I'm saying it now. And it's like, hey, I li- live over here. And, uh, you know, I do something. I would explain it to you, but I'm really smart. And so you won't get it. So just I'm in technology and data stuff. And people pay me to just look at numbers and to whatever. So that's, what, that's how Chris. But what he's trying to do is we're trying to establish a baseline of identity of who we are. You know, I want you to know me in about three things, and then you can decide if you like me or not, or if you want to waste your time with me, you move on. But Paul is saying, hey, my my name is Paul. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle set apart for the message of the gospel. For Paul to introduce himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, to the Romans, that would not be like, hey, great job, man. You're a servant. You're, you're, you're the lowest for Jesus. Great. You, you've done it. You've made it. 
in America. Can you imagine if we were to introduce ourselves? I, I, I went to, we, we got lots of kiddos. I'm not lying about that part. We got lots of kiddos and uh, doing a t-ball game yesterday. And, you know, you introduce yourself. Hey, yeah, I'm Jeff. I'm the coach, whatever, you know. But, but what if I would have said, what if I'm trying to establish my baseline identity, not just with me, but everybody out there? What if I would have gone up to the coach and said, hey, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Jeff. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And been like, easy, bro. It's just, we're just baseball here. Like, we're, didn't come for all of that. That's tomorrow, right? Because we're trying to establish, like in America, to use that word servant, for me to say, man, my name is Jeff. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. That goes against everything America is about. We're all about building our own kingdoms. We serve no one. We answer to no one. I decide where I eat lunch. I decide where I school my kids. I decide where I live. I decide where I work. And if you tell me that you don't like the way I do work, that's fine because I'll go and decide to do it somewhere else. I'm going to work for myself so that no one else is my boss. I'm my own boss. America, that, that term servant is like, man, I'm sorry that you're down there, entry level. Man, let, let's make that better. There's something about where we just have to attain all the success. We have to acquire all the wealth. We have to have the biggest and best house and the nicest and fanciest cars. We have to have that fat 401k. Like we have to have it all because to, for me to look like I'm a servant of anyone is an insult to me and my family. Don't you know you have a family to take care of? Man? Joke's on you. I'm not the provider anyways. For me to say that I'm a servant means that I am choosing to stay low. I don't want to be on this platform. I was even sharing that. I would like to be fishing today. Me and Ben, right? Wouldn't we like to be fishing? I don't want to be on this platform. My entire life has not been oriented in for me to get a platform and a position and power. Over 120 people in Adel. <laughs> like, I'm not like, oh, I got it. I finally achieved it. Man, I, I do not desire to be here. I enjoy this so much. But... If I think that I have arrived because I'm here with a platform, I have fooled myself because the word says that I am a servant of Christ Jesus. Yes. That, that my goal in life is to stay low, to not exalt myself, but to display and declare the glory of God, not the glory of Jeff. To say that I'm a servant. And I think what happens is here in America, especially like we have this idea of a servant as a slave and it's the complete opposite. A servant is one who willfully lays down his life. A slave is one that is obligated, that is stolen from a place and forced to work. God, you are not a slave to God. He does not pull you out of the pit of your sin and your sickness and your brokenness and say, here we go. Now you have to work for me for the rest of your life. He pulls you out. And as he pulls you out of that, you see the face of your Savior. You see the love and the kindness of your Savior. And you say, for all of my days, I will display and declare the glory of God. Yes. Not my kingdom, but yours. Not my will be done, but yours. Even Paul goes on this later in, in this chapter one of Romans. And Paul's like, man, I've wanted to come to you. If you read the book of Acts, you see all, Paul's whole goal is to get to Rome. And he says, I've longed to come to you. 
but I've been prevented until now. Paul's like, I wanted to. If it was my will, I would have already been here. And he's like, but it's been prevented. But I'm here now. You see, as a servant, it is someone who willfully lays down their life. And Paul is saying, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, that that I'm an apostle. We can get that word mixed up a lot because it's an English word and it wasn't written in English. This was written in Greek and the Greek word there, it it means a a messenger. That that our goal and our job, our baseline identity, because what we have to get back to is we have to establish who we are so that we can fulfill all that he has called us to. Because if you don't know who you are, you will never be able to accomplish the job that he has set out for you. You go to a new job, you go to new training, and if you don't get the proper training, and you just like fill in and like, uh, I don't know, like, that's just how they showed me. And that, it's not really right, but that's just how they showed me to do it. The boss comes in and is like, what, what are you doing? Like, that's not how we do it. It's like, I don't know, I never got that training. It's the same way, like, if we can't ever establish our baseline of who we are, then we'll never be able to accomplish what he has for us. We will always struggle with things in life because we'll be out there trying to strive and earn our way. But he says, you are, Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, that I am a, an apostle, that I'm a messenger. That word messenger means that I have been sent forth with orders. Do you understand? Like your, your goal is not to, just to be saved so that you can go to heaven. Your get out of hell free card. It's not to be saved from all of that stuff, but you have been set forth, sent forth with orders. You have a role and a task on this earth, and you have a message that only you have. Tim and Bree, like I, you will reach people that I will never, ever be able to reach. And as soon as I try to reach those people that you've been called to, I'm out of order because that wasn't my orders. That's who I wanted to reach because I like those people. They're fancy. They, they, we're not, not y'all, but who y'all can reach, you know, whether like, like they can reach people that I never can, but, but I was called to others. You have a unique message. Nobody else can do it. You know, Jody, I, I love hearing the, the stories of you in the library. You're, you're reaching people there that nobody else here can reach because it's your message. It, it says that, that we are a servant of Jesus Christ, that, that we are an apostle and that we have been set apart, that you are, we are to look different than the rest of the world. It means to mark off from others. Once we establish our baseline identity, who we really are at our core, from there everything else will be on top of it. How you see yourself determines how you spend your time, talents, and treasures. Do you, do you understand that? How you view yourself, your identity will determine how you spend your time, talents, and treasures. If your identity is, my name is Chris Martin, and I work at this place, and they, I, I have to drive a certain car, and I have to wear a certain suit, and I got to wear this and that, then you will learn how to spend your time, talents, and treasures in order to meet that identity. If I find my identity in something else other than the Lord, then I will spend all of my time, all of my effort, and all of my energy to accomplish, to look like that person that I want to be like. If I find my identity in a big, fancy, flashy new car, then, I, then every moment, every dollar will be oriented in, so that I can fit into that 
fancy new truck. If my goal is to be debt free so that I can live a generous life, then every decision that I make will be geared towards paying off debt so that I can still have nothing. (laughs) However you identify is how you will spend your time telling the church. That's why this is so important. You have to know who you are at the core of who you are. If you try to find your identity in anything other than, my name is Jeff Hopkins, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ an apostle, a messenger. I've been set apart. I used to uh, have an eight kids. Now I'm coaching like maybe the third from bottom, whatever she is. Yeah, third from last, number, number six. I coach in a way now that displays and dis- declares the glory of God. The first kid was not so lucky. He's co- I coached to stroke my ego so I could be somebody because I won some little league championship that doesn't matter now. Me and, uh, you know, our pastor from the other campus, Jesse, was, uh, one of, he's one of our elders. He was here. He, he's over at Brock today. His brother is a pastor in Santa, uh, like Mineral Santo area. I didn't, I, I, like we knew, each other. so we have kids the same age, so we competed against each other. I say we, we had kids the same age. He quit having kids. I kept having them. But like my oldest and his oldest are the same age. And so we came, we came together and we had to play each other one day uh, on a Saturday. And I was like, oh man, like I really want to win. <laughs> but that's my pastor's brother who's going to tell him how big of a jerk I was if I was a jerk. Good news is, we were at about the same level that time in our lives. We were both not the best people, and we really liked to win. <laughs> I can remember, the, there's rules on how many pitches you can throw and all this, you know, and, and for Noah's age group, and I, I, know, I love the rules, I know all the rules. For Noah's age group, he could pitch 75 pitches, and I knew that, and you got to keep track of it. Well, uh, John, John is Jesse's brother, John, his son was pitching too, and like, he just kept throwing his kid. I was like, you know, because I mark off my pitches and his kid's pitches. I'm like, okay. He's over his. I'll go over mine. I'm not going to pull my kid. Let's do it. So we just kept, like, at the end of the game, and I was just so mad. I think we, I don't even know if we won. Who cares? But, like, I think Noah ended up, like, throwing 125 pitches, which is way wrong. Way wrong. You know? And, like, at the, end, at the end of it, I was so mad because he just kept, I'm like, I'm not taking mine out until he takes his out. All of this is going in my head, you know, because my identity was wrapped up in being a winning coach for a peewee team and strong that whatever. I didn't say it was a good idea. That's just where I was at that time. And at the end of the game, I went up to, his name's John, John, uh, John Collins. I said, John, you know there's a limit on the number of pitches he can pitch, right? He's like, Yeah. Your kid was 50 over, and so was mine. He goes, okay. I'm like, what? He goes, you wanted to win, right? I was like, yeah. He goes, me too. I was like, whatever. You know, but like our identities were wrapped up in that. If your identity is wrapped up in anything other than, 
a servant of Jesus Christ, a messenger set apart for his gospel, then you will spend your life running and pursuing things that do not matter. He comes down in verse 6, or verse 7, he says, you know, he's, he defines who he is, servant of Christ Jesus and called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And he says, to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. There's our identity right there. Loved by God, called as saints. Listen to this verse right here in John chapter 17. This is Jesus praying for all believers. It says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be as one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given, given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. You ready? Here it is. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one. And the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. Yes. Jesus is declaring that we, have, that we are loved as he loved Jesus. To sit here and say, Bucky, that, that, you, that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That, that sounds scandalous. Like, wait, 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 you can't say that. What are you talking? The word says it. Jesus is praying it. The same look and the same love yes. that God had for Jesus, he has for you. Nothing less. Like, he, does, he doesn't look on you less, even though Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He, God did not look on him in love because of that. The same look that he had towards his son, he has towards you. You want to start to establish a baseline identity, like a foundation that everything else is built on? You are loved by God the same way that he looks at Jesus Christ. It's the same way that he looked at you. The same love that he had for him is the same love that he has for you. It goes on, John 15, 9. He says, that the, father, that the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Romans 5, 5. God has poured out his love on us. God's love has the ability to shift our identity. You're like, okay, but Jeff, you don't understand, but I, I am those things. Like, I I do work in this industry. I do need this car. I, I, I do need to provide well for my family. I'm telling you, the love of God has the ability to shift your identity. I'm not against any of those things. A nice job, a nice truck, a, a good family, a 401k, not against any of that at all. But our identity cannot be found in those. I cannot feel like I've arrived because I have a nice new truck. I feel like I have arrived because the same love that he had for Jesus Christ, he has for me. It, it, it almost sounds like, man, I, I don't know, Jeff. I, I'm with you up until that point. like that. But grace is incomprehensible. His love for you is incomprehensible. 
only when it is incomprehensible is it actually grace. His grace is incomprehensible. Only when it's incomprehensible is it actually grace. Do you see that? If you can understand and rationalize his grace, then it's no longer his grace. That's good. Only when you go, oh my goodness, Lord. Wait, so you, okay. And then no matter what, like, it's still grace. It's only grace whenever you go, man, I don't even know how you do it. I don't understand it. That's when it's grace. The gospel has the power to transform the world. That, that's why, like we're talking like our baseline identity because from this moment in time, the, the resurrection, you know, and then now it's like, okay, now the, the disciples are going off. They're going to transform the known world, not by their charisma, not by their ability to speak, but the gospel has the power to transform the world. Like, like the gospel is simple. I think we're so intimidated. Like, man, how do you share the gospel? And like we have to have classes and we go to seminary to, to learn how to share the gospel. The gospel is simple. Like don't, don't overcomplicate it because the gospel is what has the power to transform me. The gospel is what has the ability to shift my identity. The gospel is what saves us, what redeems us, what restores us. It's what sets us free from all that, the sin that entangles us. The gospel is simple. It's creation, it's fall, it's redemption, and it's restoration. Like the gospel, the story is simple. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He, he made everything and he put man in the middle of it. And God's plan at creation was to walk in communion. In unbroken fellowship with man. That, that nothing would separate man from God. It even says that, at, that God walked with Adam in the cool of day. Like it wasn't just this pipe dream. It was like what he actually did. He created it and he walked with Adam in the cool of day. Yeah. That's the first part of the gospel. The second part is that the fall. That, that because of the fall that sin entered the world. And where sin entered, it robbed man of that communion. And there became a separation between God and man because of man, not because of God. That's right. Adam hid from God. God did not hide from Adam. Yeah. Adam was hiding him and Eve, and God went and sought him out. Then, then you have the story of redemption, you have the creation, you have the fall, you have redemption. The gospel is simple. That, that because of that separation, something had to come and bridge that gap. And that something was the pure, perfect, spotless lamb named Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Who offered up his body to be broken, for his blood to be shed. So that he could be the pure, perfect sacrifice for all of sin, for all of time. And he redeemed us from, our, from that, that pit. For, from wherever you were in your sin, he pulled you out and he saved you and he set you free from that. And the last part of the gospel is it's the restoration. He restored back that perfect communion. So many times we get distracted with end times theology and talking and we're like, man, Lord, just comes back and save us before we have any... And, and like, what we're seeking... We already have access to. We want Jesus to come back to save us so that we can be with him forever. 
And he's saying, I've already made that possible. Jesus, it is the finished work of Jesus Christ. It says that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can now boldly come into the throne room of God. We can have unbroken fellowship with God now. There was creation, there was fall, there was redemption, and now that we are walking in the restoration. Now it will be even better when we do stand with him, before him, face to face. And like the song says, and we'll cry, you are worthy. When you wipe away the tears, we'll say, you are worthy. When I see you, well, my heart will cry, you are worthy. Like that will still be a glorious day and I look forward to it. And man, I really do wish it could happen today for me. Because I want to see him face to face more than I want to see any of you or, or my family. And I love them so much. But to see him face to face would be so glorious today. Better than sitting on a lake going fishing. But the gospel was not accepted by the religious elite. Because the religious elite did not like that it did away with them. It made them obsolete. They wanted power and control. They wanted position And God said, no, 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 that's done. You see, our baseline identity has to be with the gospel that saves us. That that we were saved, we are saved, we are continually being saved. We're walking in the power of the resurrection. The power of the gospel saves us. And we have to continue to walk in that. Religion is all about what happens on the outside, what people can see. But the beauty is that, that our identity is from the inside. The gospel transforms us from the inside out. The religious is all like, what does it look like? Jesus even said in Matthew 23, Woe to you, you Pharisees. You're like whitewashed tombs. You, you look pretty on the outside, but you're full of death on the inside. And we, the religious does that. Religion will always do that because our identity is not solidified in who we are in Christ, but in who others see us as. We cannot stand to have to admit fault. I mean, the word says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. But yet we're like, no, 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 but I can't do that. Because what are they going to think of me? They won't invite me over for dinner. They won't let me coach their little league teams. They they, they'll quit calling. They'll, they'll put me at an arm's distance. But the truth is the beauty of when our baseline identity is that I am loved by God. That the same look that he had for Jesus when he said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. He speaks that over you daily. Yes. Multiple times. Daily. Yes. Then we begin to be transformed from the inside out. We're so busy trying to fix the outside so people never have to see the inside where the gospel changes us from the inside out and we build everything else around that. Lulu, she's a little loud out there in the foyer. (laughs) It doesn't just transform our outward actions but it transforms our inward attitudes and motivations. You see, you you can be really good at changing the way that you speak. That's an outward action. But the inward motivation of anger and frustration and bitterness, that takes a little bit more time, doesn't it? That's the flesh that has to die. 
And so as we talk about the gospel, how it transforms us, because our identity is not on how we speak, but because Jesus was even on the Sermon on the Mount and say, hey, you've heard it said this, and it dealt with an outward action, but he says, but I'm telling you this, and it always dealt with the heart of the matter. We're, we're almost done, so just hang, hang in with me. But, you know, like on my, on my time away from on sabbatical, I've been just meeting with people and getting healing and advice. And what, one of my struggles is, is always saying yes to everybody, uh, which everybody enjoys except me and my wife and my kids, who I put everybody in front of. And, and even, even confessing that, my, my initial reaction when somebody asks me something, it's still yes. But, but I've learned in this last month that I, I need to just say, so one of the things that, that this guy, his name's Bob, that we've been meeting with, he said, hey, just say, hey, I would like to say yes, but let me look at my calendar and see if that's something that I can do. You see that? The outward action I can change like that. But the inward motivation and my inward attitude where I want to receive joy by saying yes to people. I want to receive affirmation. And I want to receive words of like, man, thank you. You're so good. You know, like you want to receive that. That To change that inward attitude and my inward motivation for saying yes takes a little bit more time. And I think sometimes we, we, we start to clean up the outside. And we, we do that for just a little bit. But the inward is still the same. Because our baseline identity comes back to, I want to be seen. I want to be relevant. I want people to like me. I want people to know that they can count on me. Like, like I want to be all things to all people. And so that's, that's been my baseline identity. And so it's just reorienting that to like, Man, Lord, I, I want to do this if this honors you and pleases you. If I say yes to this, that means that I'm saying no to nine other things. When I say yes to a dinner, I'm saying no to dinner with my family. I'm saying no to coaching practice for one of my kids. I'm saying no to reading books to the twins at night. I'm saying no to time with my wife. Because by the time I get home and then they're in bed, she's done. She's doing schoolwork. I'm saying no to a lot of other things. That one yes has the ability to really affect a lot of things. So in order to go back to that baseline identity of I can say no. And I'm still loved by him. And I'm still loved by people. Takes time. So to respond to that. Do you want to walk in the confidence of being loved by God? Because that's what it is. Jesus walked in complete confidence of being loved by the Father. He never had to question, Oh, Lord, are you doing this to me because I deserve it? Do you not love me? Have I, done that? Have I offended you? Never did it. He walked in the confidence of being loved by his Father. Is there any area in your life that needs to be transformed? Any attitude, any motivation for doing things that you want to see transformed. And the last one is, would you like boldness to share the gospel? The gospel is only shared by, by us. We have an unbelieving world that we're 
increasingly frustrated with. But we're not sharing the gospel with them. We're sharing it with us on Facebook. Like, why are you trying to convince me, man? I already know. <laughs> Quit telling me that. That's good. Whatever. I, I like it. But, but still, who have you told lately? In order to share the gospel, you got to go and, and do that. And you're only going to do that if you're confident and be, to, and be loved by the Father. So I'm just going to close in prayer, but I want you to ask yourself those three questions. And then that's between you and the Lord. But I can promise you this. I've already asked myself those three questions. I've already confessed my shortcomings, and I've already asked them, Father, let me be used as an instrument today. When when, when I go, wherever I go, whether it's the gas station today, reorient my mind that says, man, my name is Jeff Hopkins. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ an apostle, a messenger called by God, and I'm set apart. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. It has the power to transform us. Father, if there's any area where we feel like we're not walking in complete love of your love, if we're allowing fear and doubt and worry to creep in, Father, I pray for confidence. I pray for an outpouring of your love on us. Father, as you just begin to reveal any area of our lives that need to be transformed, Father, that we would just recognize that and confess that. Repent of it to to change our thinking and to renew our minds to the truth of your word. And Father, I pray for a boldness in this room today to share the gospel. Father, that the lost would hear your word. It says that faith comes by hearing. You know, so Father, they, they need to hear the word. Father, put us in paths. Allow us to cross paths with people where we can share your gospel and share the goodness of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, next Sunday is our church picnic. We are still having church, so don't get... So excited about Josh. It doesn't mean we're canceling service. We, we will still have service. We will do a picnic next week where uh, we have food provided. But out there on the foyer, there's a table. If you want to bring, you can sign up for like baked beans or potato salad or chips and dip or something like that. Sign up for that. Look forward to seeing you. We're going to have a lot of fun next week. And I love you guys. Oh, wait. There's one more thing. Oh, dress for the picnic. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll still wear pants. You don't want to see these. You don't want to see these white legs, all right? I'll, I'll have pants. Don't worry, fellas. All right. Love you guys. We'll see y'all. <laughs>